everybody, and welcome to the Macaw Podcast Universe. It is the podcast that exists to prove that sequels... No, it, it exists to prove people wrong when they say that sequels <laughs> are never better than the originals. My name is Micah Macaw. Did you just burp as I, you said your name? <laughs> I did again. <laughs> My name is Micah Macaw, and I'm not editing that out. Okay, Jordan McCaw over here, not burping while I'm saying my name. Yep, and we are married. We're coming up on our third year completed of marriage. Yep. Uh, and we love movies. And today we are finishing up the series that finds a way, which is the Jurassic Park conglomerate. And here's the question. Did it find a way? I think you. it did find a way. I think <laughs> quantity, it's found a way. Quality, no. It hasn't found a way, no. And um, this, I think this is the first series that we have covered outright where the first movie is undoubtedly the best and nothing comes close. I, close. It was definitely solidified to me when you made me watch a video, a YouTube essay about yes. <laughs> the ratios of Jurassic of the Jurassic Park movies. The aspect most ratios. Aspect yeah. ratios. Um, which is something I still don't quite get, but once you have visuals, it's like, I kind of know what he's talking about. But uh, he's talking about basically the different aspect ratios that Spielberg uses to evoke what he wants out of the audience and then what the other movies are failing to evoke. And Uh my favorite thing that he said was, cinematography is not just how movies supposed to look, it's about... It's like I think he said like they're the two biggest important things about cinematography is what is the shot saying and how are you supposed to feel or it's something oh yeah something like I think that it, yeah that's so good and then so then I watched it and I was like cool well this proves to me that none of the other movies should have ever been made yeah and it I don't remember who did the um you should put the video, video link in the oh yeah I'll put the video link in the description on this but. Um, what's cool is he juxtaposes the first scene where they see the brontosaurus in Jurassic Park mm-hmm. and the aspect ratio. I can't remember what it is, um, but it's basically like when you look at your screen, if you're watching Jurassic Park on a, a normal widescreen TV, you're going to have very little black bars on the top or bottom. The I believe that's the letterbox. So you're going to have a very small letterbox, if any. Now, if you watch the new movies, there's a very large letterbox. And a rule of thumb that I used to think is, like, the wider, the better. The older I get, the more I watch movies, the more I realize that that is just not true at all. Um, It's just, like, each movie, you have to kind of look at it as its own thing. Because if you look at something like um, The Lighthouse, Mm -hmm. um, that movie has, I forgot what the sidebars are, but it's basically a square and it makes it very claustrophobic, and it's horrifying. It's a really weird, scary movie. And if it was widescreen, it would not. Um, if it was this aspect ratio that Jurassic Fallen Kingdom is in, it wouldn't be as dramatic, I don't think. And to put it a little bit of a different way, because it's it's hard to talk about aspect ratio, because I don't think anyone really gets what that is unless you're a filmmaker. <laughs> but from how I understood it, is Spielberg used very. Um, intense angles so like they're looking up at the dinosaur the people are still in the frame but they're like you because of how the camera is angled you're seeing how how how, like much they have to crane their neck when in like for example fallen kingdom the moment when is it the same dinosaur it's the same dinosaur so they're kind of evoking like remember 
Yes. The it, wonder of so, Jurassic Park. But but the in Fallen Kingdom, everyone is shot pretty much at eye level, even yeah. when they're looking up at it. So I don't feel any. It, that's what I mean. We talked about this pretty much the whole series, especially in this last one, where like S hits the fan, and it's just like, how come I don't care? Yeah. And I think a lot of it has to do with the way that it's done. Absolutely. I, of course, and he did mention in the video too, which I also very agree, very much agree with, where he's like, obviously one of the most glaring, glaring issues with most of these movies besides the first one is the script. Absolutely, just so bad. Uh, but of course, he he takes it further too, of like on a subliminal level, why it doesn't work either. Yeah, well, because that. I guess we're gonna just hammer on this scene for a little while. The um that scene where you see the brontosaurus in the first movie, it's it really evokes a feeling. Now, mm-hmm. part of it is it's the first time you're seeing that. And once that cat is out of the bag, you can't put the cat back in the bag. Yeah. And so it's like the first time in cinema we had seen dinosaurs like that. It's the first time in the series that any of the characters had. You cannot undo that. Yeah. And they attempt to in this movie with the um paleo vet that comes to the island with them. And she's like, oh my gosh, I'd never thought I'd see one. But again, they're shooting it at eye level. And then the framing and the blocking, this whole series, how much have I been saying Spielberg is a master of blocking? So he knows how to composite a shot. Obviously, he's working with his great cinematographers as well. But in this movie, and he points out in that video too, you see the brontosaurus and most of the frame is filled up by this big, huge, ugly truck and then two of our main characters and then... The brontosaurus is taking up like a fourth of the frame, and, maybe, and it's standing in front of a building that's like the same color. Yeah, so it's not even like standing out. Yeah, and then when you look at the other one, it's like you see the people, and they're small, mm-hmm. and it's just like this big epic scale. Those are all just very nerdy things. Yeah, but they make a huge difference because if yeah. this was made like with a better director i think i would probably enjoy this movie a lot more and in the video too when he he mentions this other thing where i'm just like i could never be a director when he mentioned how early in the movie hammond is shot like at a higher angle like he's usually standing above oh yeah and then at the moment in the movie like when he's sitting down and eating ice cream we we now see him at a lower angle because he has been defeated. Yeah. And it is just like things like that. You should, as a viewer, never notice those things. Unless you're studying it. Unless you're studying it. But y- you should feel those things. Yeah. Especially, and it's just so crazy. I just don't get how movies are made. Yeah. Because it's not <laughs> it's- just those decisions that the director makes and then the cinematographer, but then it's also the acting, obviously, goes into it. Yeah. And then, I mean, if anything, if you don't have a good foundation, most of it's going to be lost in translation anyway, like the script. Right. And what's interesting is how the first movie is so profound, but it's so simple. Right. And then every movie after, besides the third one, I would say, is so convoluted. Yeah. And that's why I think the third one is my favorite one after the first one, because it is so streamlined. Because, like you said, they've already taken the cat out of the bag. What more do we want? I just want to see people running away from dinosaurs. Yeah, and this movie does have a lot of that. It does. And and since we're, I I guess we're kind of front-loading before we even get into the production stuff, but I know that a lot of people think, like, this movie is, um, and maybe I'm misrepresenting these people, but... It seems like there's a portion of people that are like, okay, yes, the script's kind of bad, but it was fun, and it had this kind of haunted house element at the end of, like, the dinosaurs doing this house and stuff. But I 
I hypothesize to you, I think what people were actually impressed with was it was the first time since the first movie that the dinosaurs were photographed in a different way. Mm-hmm. And so if you look at the scene of the haunted house or the beginning of the movie, the very first scene, which is actually an excellent scene. Yes. Um, and then the scene where the um, that one weird dinosaur is going through that tube and the lava falls on it. Yeah. It's all shot with modern horror elements. Yeah. So like in the in the original, the T-Rex is shot with horror elements, but it's like it's um it's an older style of horror that I think people are coming back around to a little bit more. You know what I mean? It's like it's not jumping out at you. It's not doing any of that. It's like you're seeing what's happening. Yeah. And in this movie, it's a little more like, oh, what was that? Yeah. What was that? And I think that is what impressed people. But actually, it's just kind of like, but I, I don't think that that makes the movie good. No. That they just photographed the dinosaurs a little bit different. Yeah, because those are, those are only a couple times, unfortunately, yeah. when like in the first movie, going back to the video, mentioned, he mentions that the first movie is a horror movie disguised as uh, an adventure movie. Yeah. Which is true because it's so, that movie is so terrifying, which is like, okay, so I think of the third movie which is the closest one to the first one in terms of that stuff. Uh-huh. It's not a horror. It's not scary to me though. It's just thrilling. Yeah. It's much more adventure. Just more. Yeah. Much more adventure based. It's also at this point, I mean, pretty much after the first movie, I just genuinely don't care who would live or die at this point. <laughs> right. Because it's like Sam Neill, you shouldn't even have said yes to do this movie, but here you are. Yeah. Fine. We'll take it. Um, <laughs> same with Malcolm and Lord Dern. So it's yeah. just like, you know, anyway. So, uh, before we re- t- we are kind of front loading here. Here, here is what I realized is the problem with the sequels from the first movie on. This is what I w- is like my one bullet point sentence that I can tell people. The basic problem with the franchise is this: Jurassic Park was a philosophical drama that happened to have some action. The rest of the movies are action movies that happen to have some philosophy. Mm-hmm. You agree with that? Mm-hmm. Cool. I worked hard on that, Jordan. I was hoping you'd be like, wow. But you're like, okay, yeah. It's great. <laughs> Sorry for not having a great reaction. It's okay. So let's get into the production a little bit. The movie is directed by J.A. Bayona. Bayona who directed A Monster Calls, some episodes of Penny Dreadful, The Impossible, and The Orphanage. The Orphanage is a horror movie, and that is how he got the job. We'll get back to that in a second, though. It's produced by Frank Marshall, Patrick Crowley, and Belen Atienza. Frank Marshall and Patrick are people that we've talked about in previous episodes, and then Belen is... uh, has produced all of this director's work among some other stuff. Um, it's written by Derek Connolly and Colin Trevorrow, same people who wrote Jurassic World. Uh, the music is Giacchino, which I actually, for the most part, dug the music in mm-hmm. this movie. Um, cinematography is Oscar Farah, who um, did Imitation Game and then this director's other work as well. Okay. Which Imitation Game, I remember being a pretty visually good, like, that's a good good cinematography movie. I don't really remember. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Uh, the movie comes out June 22nd, 2018, and it has a budget of $170 million to the $187 million range. 
domestically, the movie makes 417, almost 418 million. And then worldwide, it makes $1.3 billion. So, Trevorrow wanted Boyana because of the orphanage, as I already said. And then Boyana, Boy, Boy, <laughs> the director, was excited by the haunted house prospect of the movie. And um, a lot of the movie was just unused ideas from Jurassic 4 draft. Okay. Um, like an older draft. Um, and then, <laughs> this is... Folks, this is a big pet peeve of mine. A big, big pet peeve of mine, because I think it's so supremely stupid. So in an interview, Trevorrow compared the movie to The Empire Strikes Back and Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan, which he considers both darker than their predecessors. And it's just that stupid thing that directors say anytime they make a sequel that where they're like, yeah, we were really going for like a Godfather Part Two or a Empire Strikes Back. Take that chip off your shoulder. <laughs> it's like... Just don't compare yourself to those movies because we already know that they are, whether you agree or not, considered better than the first movie. And we all know that when you make a sequel, you are trying to make it better than the first movie. So stop comparing it to The Empire Strikes Back. I think it's so stupid. And this movie shows like no similarities to either of those movies. So it's like, why did you bring them up? Yeah. Um, now, do you wish we could have watched the original cut of this movie, Jordan? don't care because maybe it could have cleared up some stuff because the original cut of the movie is two hours and 45 minutes and that's all i have that's really all i have so the one of the first actors that's new in this movie is rafe spall i don't know if that's how you say his name that's r-a-f-e that's rafe right um he is in the big short life of pi hot fuzz that's big, big things he's in. Then we have Justice Smith, who's in Detective Pikachu, as well as Paper Towns, The Get Down, and I, he's, a ri- he's a rising young star. Yeah, I think he's really charming in Detective Pikachu. Yeah, he's good. I think he's really good in that movie. Um, Daniela Pinetta, hmm. um, she is in Vampire Diaries, the Ooh. originals. Gotta open those diaries. A um, lot to say in there. She's in a lot of TV shows, from what it looks like. And then James Cromwell from Babe, the farmer from Babe. Oh, everybody. Yeah, yeah. He's also in the Green Mile, apparently. Oh, he's the he's the um guy, isn't he? He's the uh the warden? The, the warden who no isn't he? I'm thinking of Shawshank, so you're probably right. And he cures him of the no wait no that's Tom no, his, Hanks. His wife <laughs> dies, and then um he brings his wife back to life. Because she has the cancer. Wow, I just remember in the movie, him in the movie at all. I don't either. I'm just assuming, because I don't know who else he could be in that movie. Hmm. Uh, he's also in L.A. Confidential, Star Trek. Well, did You You said what we contact. love him from? Babe. Oh, and he's a succession. He's Ewan. Ewan, probably. Ewan Roy. He's that is he's a salty old man. Folks, that's the best, ep- the best show on TV currently. That and Better Call Saul, so... If you need a recommendation, Succession yeah. is the best. Yeah. And then Ted Levine or Levine. I don't know. It probably depends on what he likes to say. Uh, he is in Silence of the Lambs. <gasps> Shocked. <laughs> <laughs> He's also in Monk, 
the alienist. He's, he's the killer in Silence of the Lambs. You said yes. Which I once you said that I could hear that like it's in his voice. The, the, the he kind of looks different in every movie I've seen him in, like in anything. Yeah. I've only I, seen Silence once, so it's pretty hard for oh, me to I remember watch it. it again. It's been so long. Um, hey, there's a few of those movies. I know. Well, we is that part that. of? So are those like actually all part of a canon? Yeah, I think there's um four or five that are like. But they're considered pretty, the series. They're pretty serialized, right? That means we would get to cover Red Dragon. Well, one of them has, I think one or two two more have uh, Jodie Foster in them. But does that mean we would get to cover Red Dragon? Yeah, it, it would be it would be Dr- Red Dragon, Sounds of the Lambs, um, Hannibal Rising, I think, was the last one, which was like his prequel origin story. Played by... Which sounds really bad. I'd have to look that up. And then I think there's one more. And we could also maybe consider covering the Michael Mann movie, Manhunter, which came out before Silence of the Lambs, where it has our boy from Succession, uh, Brian Cox, is Hannibal Lecter in that movie. Really? Yeah. That could be a fun series. If you want us to cover that, folks, please oh. let us know, because I think that would be really interesting, because we're in that's, that is far different from anything else that we've covered. So, I I would love to do the Hannibal. I, stuff. I think that'd be fun. I think that'd be really as fun. as a kid. Um, obviously, I couldn't watch these movies as a kid. It's too terrifying. I mean, it's so terrifying that I didn't even let my kids watch it for a long time because th- these movies are definitely horror, but it has a a dark element to it that is just a little too palpable. I feel like. Yeah. I don't know yeah. how you. I haven't seen all of them, but I've seen Silence of the Lambs, Red Dragon, and like parts of the Hannibal movies. So I'm mostly speaking about the first two. Yeah. And and. There, there is something about them that like really get under your skin. Yeah, really, really, really. And I would, I would love to read the book someday. Yeah, need to. Um, so, so according according to IMDb, just for the record, okay. Manhunter followed by Silence of the Lambs, Hannibal, Red Dragon, Hannibal Rising, and then the TV show, which we wouldn't With, cover um, obviously. Uh, Mads Mickelson. Mads Mickelson. Yeah. So, um. Anyway, this guy. He is a, a monk, like I said, which is probably my biggest identifying thing. Oh, this is the Ted Levine character? Yes. Okay. Uh, he's the, the chief, police chief. Okay. And uh, if, I don't, if you've not seen Monk, I have very fond memories of it. I have no <laughs> idea what it's like now. Uh, but he, I remember being very funny in it. And he, you look at him and it's like, that man needs to have a mustache. Now, who, who is he in this movie? The Hunter. Oh, this is the same guy we're talking about. Yes. Okay, okay, sorry, he, I got lost. Yeah, he he's like a guy that needs a mustache. And yeah. I just saw a picture of him in The Alienist, and he's got a sweet mustache, yeah. man. That the monk to me is I've never seen a full episode, but it is man who doesn't like germs has to solve crimes. That's what I imagine the show is. Oh, and the, but of course, because it is you know a police. Uh-huh. Procedural, procedural yeah. drama. He can. He's the one case he's never been able to solve. <laughs> yeah, it's like his wife's murder or ex- something. No, that's exactly oh. <laughs> it. <laughs> so it is very by the These numbers. These poor wives. They just get murdered willy nilly all the time. Yeah, it's almost like that is like a trope. Almost. Hmm. What's funny is, which is pointed out so much, and I I adore Christopher Nolan, but he has so many dead wives on his hands. It's insane. So many that everyone talks about it. Yeah, so many that the joke is like, I hope his wife's okay. <laughs> yeah. But uh, is that everything? Uh, yeah. Oh, so do you want to jump in? Yeah. Okay, so 
the movie starts and we it's it's stormy and we are at the location of the lost world park and it says isla nublar 120 miles off the coast of costa rica and jordan goes oh i'm so sick of reading that (laughs) (laughs) and they open up the gates it's like flooded and stuff like that and it um, it is no that that dinosaur was pulled into the water at the end of the last movie that's why its bones are down there oh you're right you're right i was just thinking of the rain and stuff anyway and we go in there and i think this scene is like i i remember oh the first time i saw this was in theaters and when i came home i ranted to jordan for like an hour and she had to get up at like 5 30 and i ranted till like one o'clock not only that i i've heard him rant about it several other times yeah i find it supremely infuriating of a movie so they go in and you see like a shadow of the mosasaurus and there's a lot of pretty intense like horror themed modern horror Uh tropes that they're playing on but you're in water and they're extracting something from the indominus rex um bones and I mean, when I was in theaters, I was like, what the heck? Is this going to rule? Yeah. Because this is a cool intro to the movie. Yeah. Um, although I don't know if I gave it that much. I pretty much went to the movie wanting to dislike it. Oh. Because I was like, come on. Well, because you're just done with it like yeah. everyone else. Well, <laughs> like me. I'll speak for myself. <laughs> yeah. So you looked like you were going to say something. No. Okay. So I'll just keep talking. It's a very intense scene, like you've said. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, cut to Bryce Dallas Howard. No, I Jeff f- Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum. Oh, I gotta talk about this. So the th- the the I really think they did a stupid thing on this. They they publicized that Jeff Goldblum has signed on to be in the next movie. Yeah. Fans of the series like the original cast. I don't think they should be in any of the other movies for the most part. Um, but you know that's what fans want so they're like jeff goldblum's in this one and then all the trailers show him in the courtroom like saying all the things over the footage and basically the trailers had all of his stuff like the entire everything that he said and when you watched the movie it was like oh brother this should have been such a slam dunk cameo that like you can keep the same line same thing and he shows up and then everyone's like what he's in this because it actually makes sense that he's in it but it's like, don't put that as your marketing campaign. Don't make that like one of the things that attracts people to come. Because I think that's just like so annoying to the audience. Totally. So go ahead. The The premise is pretty interesting. He's there um, in front of a court. Well, I don't know. Uh, the suits. And uh, the dinosaurs on the Jurassic World Island, if I'm correct, uh, a volcano has reignited. And it's going to destroy the, well, it's going to destroy all the dinosaurs on it. So it's that whole ethical question of, do we save them or do we let them go extinct a second time? Yeah. And people are arguing, well, they were extinct in the first place. It's just nature correcting what we've done. Yeah. Which is like interesting. But then it's like, they are animals. They have rights. Interesting. Yeah. And then cut to Bryce Dallas Howard, right? Am I right? Well, can I say like two more things? One, during that whole news sequence where they're telling yeah. you what's going on, they do a nice jab at Trump that I thought was funny, where um, at the, what is that called? At the bottom of the news The side-scroller The side-scroller thing. The, it says, like, um, president questions very existence of dinosaurs in the first place, or something like that, which is 100% a jab yeah. at Mr. Old D. And, um, D? Mr. Oh. D. Um, and 
then the other thing is, in a way, in a very small, small way, I did get my dream of the sequel of a Jurassic Park being movie being a legal drama. For like two seconds. I know, but I'm just giving it. I'm giving it credit for at least getting getting me some legal jargon. Okay, but not really. Good for you for the two <laughs> seconds it happened, and I think they cut back one other time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so now we see Bryce Dallas Howard in a a very urban, fun office setting <laughs> that every millennial dreams to work in. It's just so collaborative. It's so cool. It's so cool. It just seems like really open and like really outgoing and fun, and like anyone's ideas are accepted. No one's told no. Yeah. Um, she walks into here, and we see we we learn very quickly that they're pretty much animal activists mm-hmm. that they're advocating to save the dinosaurs. So they're trying to figure out a way. And then you might be wondering to yourself, wait, I say that again? And then, you know, they kind of hammer you over the head with what's going on. And uh, you're like, so Bryce Dallas Howard, at the end, uh, in the last movie, she was a corporate person yeah. at, at Jurassic World. High up corporate person. Yeah. She ran everything. Then everything went wrong. And she's, you know, surviving and running for her life. And the last movie did not communicate that she liked dinosaurs. It was just her job. By the end of the movie... They actually went out of their way to communicate. She does not like it, She them. called them assets. She didn't even call them dinosaurs. Yes. By the end of the she movie... She called them asses. <laughs> sure. By the end of that movie, her character does not change in any visual... No, in any no. like, obvious way that's like, oh, she respects them and likes them now. <laughs> so... She, you know, barely... It's 100% a different character than the previous movie. It totally is. And so in this movie, she's like in charge of trying to get the dinosaurs out. And it's like, no, that doesn't work. That doesn't That doesn't make any sense. Also, for most of this movie, it's her staring up into the sun. (laughs) I wish listeners, Or the sun is beaming down on her her wide doe eyes (laughs) as she's talking to a man. Uh And it's just like, ah. And then... uh, Throughout the rest of this movie, um, you know, as they're in very, you know, um, they're running from dinosaurs again, blah, blah, blah. Wow. I get to see her boobs a lot more (laughs) than I did in the last movie. I even feel like, and it is so annoying. And I know this is like something that we talk about a lot, probably too much, (laughs) but it's just like so frustrating that it's, you know, it's a big franchise and the if you look at the first move, the first three movies, uh-huh. which I mentioned, I know I'm going on a rant right now. Yeah, yeah. But the first three movies, so you have Laura Dern, uh, Julianne Moore, and Taya Leone. Yes. I would argue that they're all just like fine. You know, they're like they're, they're not sexualized. They're as far characters as I can in tell. a story. Yeah. Whether I mean, it's like I'm not going to overanalyze if they actually do anything or not. I, I yeah, but that's it's like point. they're not over sexualized. I would even say that a lot, like most of the time, they're just not at all. Yeah, because in Jurassic World, as they're running through, away, running away from dinosaurs, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard is like just eventually wearing less. Yeah, and the other movies, the women as they are running away from dinosaurs through a, the w- the jungle, they're uh, just sopping like like baggy clothes. Sopping yeah. wet from rain or muddy, and but actually, they're not wearing less of anything. In the first movie, the person who loses the most amount of clothing is Jeff Goldblum, who is a man. And no one's complaining about that, right? <laughs> right. Um. So it's just super frustrating that it just keeps happening, and, and, and it will probably very, just continue to happen. Yeah. It, it is very like... 
Be- because, you know, you look at the, the male characters in this, and they have the same amount of clothes throughout the whole thing, you know, in, in both movies. And it's just kind of like, you might be like, you guys are really overanalyzing this, or it's not that big of a deal. But it is like, why did they have to make that decision? You know, I think that's what you're questioning. Am I right? Yeah. It's like, why why did the one quote-unquote strong female character, although now they have, I think, I think they're up to a grand total of two in the Jurassic World series now with the paleo vet. Um, why does that person have to lose clothing throughout the yeah, movie? Yeah, and why why does that girl not get to lose anything if she? Well, you know, I'm Bryce, thankful that they no, kept no, no, some not, clothes on. Does that make does that kind of make sense though? I know I know that she doesn't no. like go through much <laughs> or anything, but it's just like okay, so Bryce Ellis Howard is the main protagonist, so we're supposed to whatever feel this way about her. Let's do it that way. When like the other woman character of of any importance is just like normal. Yeah. And, uh, man, what what else was I going to say? I lost it, but I'll, I'll think of it, but it's just, it's just, I don't know. It's just frustrating and I'm tired of it. Oh, and you know, the ending of this podcast, we're talking about, you know, how does anyone make a movie because of how, how much thought goes into it? Yeah. So you know that these things, no one can pull the card of like, well, it's just, you know, no one really thinks about that kind of stuff. I'm telling yeah. you people do because of what we've been talking about this whole time. And then I'll get, I'm done. Right. I'm done. We can continue talking about the movie. I'm just done with it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and what's, what's one last thing, I guess. <laughs> the, the funny thing about us covering franchises is that's arguably where it might happen the most. Yeah, because this is like the mainstream, so yeah. you gotta like sex it up a little bit. Yeah. I feel like is maybe a studio note, like mm-hmm. you know, and hopefully that'll turn around, you know. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and and I think I think maybe it wouldn't even be that big of a deal if Bryce Dallas Howard in either movie was much of a character. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, it's like it's like uh, it just again. I said this in the last movie, but Bryce Dallas Howard is such a girl that was written by a guy character. Yeah. It's like they she it's like the guys didn't even talk to a girl. Yeah. That's as far now again, I'm a man, Jordan, you are not. Uh so maybe you can confirm well, or deny what I'm saying. The only way I could but, speak to that is most both of these movies just don't have much of a script at all. Yeah. It's it's just like Chris Pratt's doing an Indiana Jones impression. Oh, I was going to do that. I'm the one who said that. Okay, well, I'll let you. No, no, that's fine. But it, it's just it's just uh, full of tropes. It's just, uh, yeah. you know, the whoever wrote the movies probably had a really, had a quick idea, not quick, but they probably had like, oh, that's a really interesting idea, them auctioning off dinosaurs. How do we work that into a movie? Right. And then it's like they spend way too much time on this one idea mm-hmm. without even like fleshing anything else out because it's like, if, if anything... Because of the first movie, I'm assuming they're trying to provide some kind of realism to these movies. Yeah. Because the first movie is pretty real. So yeah. they, they do they do they don't like flesh anyone out. Yeah, and I, I think it a lot of it feels like a lot of the ideas and stuff in in all of the sequels, it feels like like if I'm writing a song with a band or something like that, or we're working together on a song or I'm sending it, I might go, you know what'd be cool in my head, I go, it'd be cool if the guitar part was in 7-4 time and the rest of the song was in 4-4 time. I come up with a riff and everyone's like, that sounds weird. I don't like it. Can you can you like make it not sound like that? Yeah. And there's there is the like, well, you can just keep on pushing it until it like works or maybe you edit. 
And then it's like there's so many of those like, oh, this would be cool, this would be cool, this would be cool. And it's like, yeah, but that doesn't say, like it doesn't form anything at the end of the day. And I'm sure, I mean, one, there's just, I would say, lack of talent in terms of the script writing, but I'm sure there is also the studio pressure Mm -hmm. of like just getting it done. Well, these feel very studio films. Yeah, like like whether or not whatever version of the script they did have, I'm sure is vastly different from how like at the end. Yeah. Because it, I'm sure it, it always gets to a point where they just need to start shooting. <laughs> yeah. So. And, uh, okay. So we talked about that a little bit. So basically we have Hammond's brother. Um, I think it's his brother. I actually got confused by that. Um, but, uh, I, I, I just missed they like used one to, line. They, they like worked together, you know, they like started this idea together. It, it's such a classic like sequel thing where it's like, yeah, Hammond had this other guy because Hammond died a long time ago. Uh, he had this other guy and now he's going to be but the they, heir of the throne or whatever. And yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. Pretty much he inherits or something, but then it's like the reason why we might've never seen him in previous movies is because he, you know, they Hammond's had a falling like, out. They <laughs> had a falling out. Oh, what's it over? We'll find out later. Yeah. And, and you know, we keep seeing this little girl throughout the movie and they keep, the camera keeps being like, you got to pay attention to this little girl. And Oh boy, I'm going to lay into that scene when we get to it. Um, so basically they need to send a rescue mission and they do the exact part of the plot of lost world where they're like, Hey, we need to go check out these dinosaurs. And then the hunters turn on them. Yeah. Uh, which is like, Oh, what <laughs> you, you're replicating like a movie that people don't like that much. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are you thinking? But they go and they find Owen Grady played by Chris Pratt. And in this movie, he's doing the squint eyes. Mm-hmm. And as Jordan said, he is, I, I watch the movie and look at how Chris Pratt is acting and the things that they are putting him in i uh, my joke is that the screenwriters slash the director were like hey this is a sequel to one of steven spielberg's most successful franchises let's watch it and study it and then they got confused about which franchise because this movie is so indiana jonesy and it shouldn't be Mm -hmm. because i love chris pratt but he is not Harrison Ford. He's not even close to that like level of charm. Chris Pratt has this nice sarcastic chip on his shoulder mm-hmm. that they don't use in these movies, which is insane to me. For, for a franchise movie, it's like you want to lay into something like lay that. Lay into it. And it's not like... Uh, yeah, uh, it's just crazy because he, he can do that. But, it, but him being like... They're trying to make him Indiana Jones where he's, you know, oh, yeah, that's kind of interesting and different, and I don't like that thing, but he's also an action hero, and I just don't buy it for one second. And this movie is putting him in these situations where, like, lava is surrounding him, and then he has to, like, crawl away in a sequence that's funny, I guess, and then, like, jump a car into a boat and stuff, and and it goes back to what I said at the beginning. Well, she does that, but, yeah. Yeah, it goes back to what I said at the beginning, though. It's like, this is an action movie that has some philosophy, not a philos- philos- philosophical movie with action. Yeah. It's, it is, it is like, so infuriating. So what do you want to say about the island before I rip this microphone apart? Um, there are dinosaurs there still. The volcano. I thought it was kind of funny because, you know, they could have put the volcano anywhere because we've never really known about it until yeah. now. And I think it's just kind of funny that they put it right where they needed to be to like do the computer stuff. 
Yeah. And uh, it's like, so you're going to the island like right as it's erupting, (laughs) but you need to go to that control room. Yeah. Maybe just forget about it. Yeah. That's how I kind of look at it as. Yeah. But it's also like, Jordan, don't go there. Right. But then it's also like, this is the, how many, fifth movie. Yeah. So maybe I, maybe I'm at this point. Yeah. And, and in this sequence, they're, they're trying to get Chris Pratt's, uh, Velociraptor and he has to like help. And then they turn on him and then, and then, you know, he, he tranquilizes him and then they have to get on the boat and there's all this nonsense that they have to do. I think the dinosaur attacking Bryce Dallas Howard and Justin Smith, did you say? Justice. Justice Smith in the control room is kind of a cool sequence, kind of fun. Yeah. It doesn't make sense that lava falls on a dinosaur and it doesn't immediately kill the dinosaur. But hey, you know, whatever. Hey, they're not real dinosaurs. I mean, they threw out realism uh, when... Uh, well, the second one was still kind of realistic. I feel like the fourth one is when they kind of forgot about realism. Um, and again, movies don't have to be realistic, but when your first movie is, you have to follow that template unless you're just like totally revamping it or something. I don't know. (sighs) But anyway, that sequence is kind of cool. I like the dinosaurs that are more like crocodile and alligator inspired looking. Yeah. Because I like crocodiles and alligators. I just think that they're real dinosaurs that live. And we've seen some in New Orleans. Uh, I, I Him, not me. Yeah, it was a family trip. And it was way cool seeing wild alligators it swimming around. It was pre-marriage. Mm-hmm. I didn't get it there in there in time. <laughs> um, yeah, so then there's a scene where they get... The, a scene where Bryce and Justice get in the glass ball that falls in the water. Yeah. That's filling up with water. And it's interesting because it, it is shot like a one shot. Yeah, it's it's obviously fake, but um that's not doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. Uh, what did you think of the one shot? I thought it was cool. I, I mean it's like it's cool. They did something. They did something different yeah. instead of cutting like seventeen million times in one scene. Um, but it is I I mean it's just at this point, I just don't feel anything because I know that none of them are gonna die. Because yeah. they don't even convey to me that the kid's gonna die. Yeah. I think pretty early on you can kind of like he's too witty to die. Like he's they're still <laughs> right, gonna right. need him to make a joke later on. Yeah. So it just is like, yeah, that was pretty interesting and pretty cool. Yeah. But I don't it's just my you know, we've probably because of doing a podcast have watched the movies all way too close together. <laughs> yeah. So I just don't really care. Yeah, and my my question is, I mean, we all like one shots. They're very they're a very cool and effective tool, but I when I was watching it, I was just like, why? Like what was the per- you know, at the beginning we talked about like making sure that you have purpose in your shot. And what, what were they trying to communicate by doing a one-shot? Because, okay, it's really intense, it's really disorienting, um, and they, they could die soon. That, to me, is like, oh, this maybe should have more cuts because it's, like, disorienting, and they could die really soon. Uh, but if you think about it, I mean, I in a know, way, just... I'm, I'm in this franchise specifically, I'm conditioned not to think that any of them are going to die Yeah, because Sam Neill and... Jeff Goldblum went there twice and they didn't die. Yeah. So why should these main characters die? Yeah. That's kind of how I feel about it. And I'm not like necessarily faulting the other ones. And I mean, yeah, I kind of am, but like, also it's like not saying that it's not, it's, it's wrong that they didn't die. Cause even in like the first movie, yeah, of course people died, but it's like, 
it it was definitely a life or death situation. Yeah. But it it didn't feel like it was a uh what is it called? Like a everyone's dying one by one type of thing. Right. That's not like the kind of survivalist kind of movie. It's not the kind of movie that is. Or, yeah. Gosh, I can't talk anymore. <laughs> I just the some some I you know, I think about okay, we're talking about the ball scene and um and I I think if you look at um the Steven Spielberg directed movies the use of sound and like the the building of tension um you know like when sarah in lost world is on the glass in the rv and it starts to break that's when your brain is like no 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 and there's i mean in this movie it is completely devoid of that it relies on the current horror um um filming which that that was a cool idea i don't think they really like go all the way with it like that idea would work really well if it was a movie you didn't know was Jurassic Park mm-hmm. and there were people getting attacked by dinosaurs and they figured it out in the movie. That would be kind of insane. But <sighs> Well, it's like in the that video, one thing that he he mentions that the first movie sets the the table for really is um the movie's about being still. Oh yeah. When when I think the That's argument cool. he was making that because he he's looking at it through a lens of kind of a horror movie, which is a lot of it's just running away, which yeah. of course these movies are too. But the in the first movie it's very clear like don't move because if you move the T-Rex can find you. Yeah. And then in the second movie they do the same thing like cuz they showed this the scene of Julianne Moore above the glass and she's not supposed to move, which yeah. raises the tension so through much. the roof. And you also know what's at stake and you know like what they should and shouldn't do so if i ask you what should they do and not do in this movie you go um they need to run and they can outrun dinosaurs now that's not that's not there's no tension there no i mean if they're like trapped in a room and they have to do something specific with that dinosaur now you have tension all of a sudden it's like you're, you're there's a loaded bomb whereas each time it's like oh there's a bomb and it's rolling toward me and i can outrun it yeah so it's the you know, it's like, okay, I, I okay, I guess, I guess. Um, so then let's move on. There is the, yeah, I said, I called him Mr. Sh- well, Owen is Mr. Squints as far as I'm concerned. Okay. That's kind of fun. Um, there's the lava scene and then the gyroscope. Okay. There is a scene where Bryce Dallas Howard <laughs> says, and I quote, it was a lie. It was all a lie. Bastard. It was really bad. <laughs> that w- it was just like, cool. Well, I am. If I wasn't checked out before, I am sure checked out now. Yeah. And I think that that was like, I mean, it was performed in the way I just said it. Um, so let's talk about the hunter. I want to talk about the hunter. Yeah. So uh, when they are in getting loading up the dinosaurs, he walks over to a stegosaurus, which looked practical. It looked like an animatronic and looked really cool. Um, and he pulls out pliers. He goes, Whitching! and then he pulls out a tooth. And he's like, ar, ar. and right then and there, I'm like, oh, brother. The first time I saw it, I'm like, they are just setting up. I, I mean, you're just like, no, they're setting up for him to release a dinosaur because of a tooth. That is so stupid. And then, of course, when we get to the end of the movie and there's the Indoraptor, which we haven't even touched on yet, and he walks in sh- going, going, after everyone's fled and they've been attacked by dinosaurs, he goes, I want to get paid. Where's my bonus? You're like, what? And then he opens up the cage and and he, he puts the pliers on the tooth and he goes, this is going to look great on my necklace. So he is motivated by creating 
a necklace similar to a puka shell necklace. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> That's insane. And then it kills him and gets out because he wanted to make his his puka shell necklace. I think that that is insane. And I, you know what? I will admit that part of me saying all this is I wanted to say puka. Yeah, sure. Um, so that's what I wanted just, to say about the It's too hunter. much. I was going to say, too, I think comparing it to the first movie is like one thing that I really like about the first movie is it is purely then just trying to get away from dinosaurs. Yeah. Because um, there's even a hunter in that movie, but he's not a bad guy. Yeah. He's just like a, a rough guy. Um, so it, it is like it, Spielberg really sets it up where it's just the humans against the dinosaurs. Second movie now there are bad guys too which is yeah. it makes it way too complicated and then the third movie it's kind of it goes back to the uh dinosaurs against humans a little bit but remember his uh samuel's friend betrays them pretty much by stealing yeah. the eggs like he makes a really dumb call yeah um which is that to me is one of the dumbest parts of the movie yeah and then the the next movie it it's you know it's a reboot they're they're taking some things to the next level which are some pretty interesting ideas yeah um but it, you know it's, it's a lot about capitalism so how do we make more money because right. the park's already been open which is a pretty interesting idea um it's just not executed very well this movie it's just back to the whole like yeah there are dinosaurs but there's also just a lot of scumbags too yeah and i'm just it's just like this this franchise does not need um guardsmen with tasers we already have enough of those yeah in other movies like that yeah you're so right so yeah, it's like why, why do we why do they have to like fight their way around these guys when they're already trying to not die from dinosaurs yeah yeah i think that's a really and, good point and, and i think that i just um, i don't you know how they got there it's just because of poor writing uh-huh um but i guess that's where i'm ending that yeah i i think one uh it, it, it's, it's weird looking back on the series because because that's what happens. We get to the end of our series, and it's like, what? what is this last movie? I, this is what I think, at least. I'm like, what does this last movie tell us about, like, summing up the whole series? And it's weird that, like, everybody watched Jurassic Park, and they looked at the hunter, the clever girl guy, and everyone's like, yeah, we need that type of person in every movie, and that explored more. Out of all the things, because it's like Owen is a version of him, the military guys are all versions of him. And then you have like actual hunters. And I think in the second movie, it makes sense to touch on that, but to continue to be like, we need a hunter in this movie. It's like, why are you latching on to the hunter? Yeah. I don't, I, I, I know that that would, that theoretically makes sense, but it, it would make more sense to, to maybe save that for Jurassic world dominion where there's dinosaurs in our world. Mm hmm. I just, it's, it's just very the, weird It really thing. just needs to be as simple as you can possibly make it, which is just dinosaurs against humans. Yeah. Well, and I, I think you're right in, because, you know, I, I'm always like, how, how can we fix this franchise and all that stuff? And I think you're so right in, it just is a series that, to, to maintain its, like, purity, it cannot have a sequel. And that, that also brings full force like the whole idea behind jurassic park is we've d gone too far so if they had stopped that is like you have had your statement and that's like holy crap that's what you're saying and you're sticking to that that's insane yeah and i, I will say of course the first movie does have a bad guy it's newman yeah 
Uh, but but of course, his, his role is just like it's a planting the seed kind of mm-hmm. bad guy thing because it is really just about the dinosaurs. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the Indoraptor. Now, uh, Livia was in our last episode, and she said that the um, the scientists did not return in this one, and she wanted to make sure that was corrected because he does return in this movie. In the same turtleneck. Same turtleneck. In several scenes, the same turtleneck. And um, I love turtlenecks. I I also think it's it's I I know that they're trying to make these points about like capitalism corrupting people, and I get that. But it it is kind of odd to me that they were like, okay, we got this guy back from the very first movie. Let's take a scientist, a lead scientist, and let's make him uh, like a bad guy who does bad things. Like, I would think he would be the guy in mm-hmm. the control room in Jurassic World to be like, we've gone too far. Mm-hmm. This is not good. Yeah, that would be pretty interesting, actually. Yeah, or maybe he even like in this movie, he's trying to like sabotage these dinosaurs, like be an inside man or something. But it's like, it's weird to me that he's just kind of a villain. And I think it's a waste he, of his I mean, character. you could absolutely take out his character and it provides no change to the story. Except for to, like, continue it on, like... Well, no, but they... No, yeah, no, you're right, No, they could just right. say, we our scientists created a new dinosaur. You don't need a person to say... You don't need a person <laughs> yeah. to represent that. But it, it is... It, it's funny to me that they're like, we need to make another new dinosaur. And it's like, really? Really? You, it, that was the trick in the last movie. And... Uh, you didn't make that point fully, so why are you ma- trying to make it... I to weaponize know. it, Micah. And, and that... Okay. Now, okay. I'm sorry, Jordan. You've heard these rants so many times. And I did not look into this. But they make the point, like, throughout history, weapons... I mean, animals have, like, been such an integral part of war. And man is destined for war always. Okay. That's interesting. It's made in about every single movie that's an action movie, but okay, whatever. You want to go with that. I don't think that animals are that integral to war anymore. Am I wrong? I know that we use them for research, and I know that, you know, you might use a camel to get you somewhere, or you might, like, ride a horse or something, but it's not like... It's not like if you had a dinosaur, you would win a war. One dinosaur. It's like... Okay, you have one dinosaur. Let's just do a sting operation and murder. I it. mean, the like, what are you from talking about? My understanding, about? An, no, no animal has won war. Well, I feel like there's some something with elephants in like an old, like centuries old war. Oh, one time. Well, I think I think you know if if you were the first people to like use horses in war, you're gonna win the war now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's, but that's like back then. That's, that's you're and innovating. That's the point I'm you're making. innovating to yeah. a point where you don't even like. You get past that. Because at a certain point, animals became technology. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, so now you have this Indoraptor, which is trained to attack a specific point. And and they did mention that it is uh, basically genetically modified to be able to figure out complicated situations, which would make sense why it can, like, figure out the house. Yeah. Um, we'll get to that, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, well, here's what I will say. I think the Indoraptor looks really cool. Sure. I like that it's a black dinosaur, which is like kind of striking. It's like, and and I think it's like gold too or something. It's got like a gold stripe. Yeah, I think that that's pretty cool. Um, and I do kind of like how it its hands are very like uh like monkey and human esque. How it can like grab things, you oh, know? Okay. Um, you know what I mean? Like it grabs those horns. Yeah. And it has like opposable thumbs basically, which is kind of fun. Um. I mean, I think it's ridiculous in a Jurassic Park movie, but I think it's kind of fun. 
And another thing that I'll say, you put five really cheesy lines in this movie that makes you know that they're not taking this seriously, and I probably love the movie. And you don't attach it to Jurassic Park, and you just have like Sylvester Stallone do some weird cameo, and it's like, this is kind of a badass, cool movie that has like stupid action, and actually it's kind of good. But they don't do that. Um, so the Indoraptor, I just don't get. I don't get that that motivation. I don't think it makes a lot of sense. It would make more sense. Um, I think I'm boring you. I can see it in your eyes, but I'm sorry. But I got to do it for the people. Um, it would make a little more sense, I think, if they were like just selling to people like a Joe Exotic, mm-hmm. like selling dinosaurs for like little museums around the world or something like that. Um, I don't think that's very exciting, though. Well, that's the problem. Yeah. That's the problem. But and I it came out before Tiger King. If if Tiger King had come out before they wrote this movie, it might be a totally different movie because they might be like, We haven't gone on this angle selling you exotic get your legal animals. drama that way. Oh yeah, then that, that's what I want. Um do do you have anything? I've been talking so much, it seems. No. I'm barreling this episode. So let's talk about the auction then. Okay. They sell the dinosaurs for anywhere from like eight to thirty million dollars each. It's a bargain in that auction, which blows my mind. This this movie just defies you to find the logic in it. Because are you serious? You're telling me that like you can buy a dinosaur for less than the price of many homes? Like you 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 couldn't buy a home in Ashland for that price. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that for sure, but still, it that is so insane to me that you could buy one dinosaur, something that's been extinct, for uh, like uh, ten million dollars or so, and yeah. and it's all these people who are like black market dealers. They have more money than ten million bucks. Like, what are you talking about? Well, I think I guess they know that they don't have to pay that much. They don't have yeah. to pay more than what people are bidding for. Well, and it's such a weird... Things like that really drive me nuts in scripts because it's like, okay, let's start the bidding at $1 million. Wouldn't you think they'd be like, $1 million, $2 million, and then someone would know stand up... Know your worth. Yeah, and someone would stand up and be like, $50 million. Yeah. And then they'd be like, 60 at 70 And then... Because the guy's like sitting on the computer and he's like, oh, we're up to $20 million. And of course, that's a ton of money for me. But the amount that they sell the dinosaurs wouldn't even pay for the making of this movie. And you know what's crazy to me is they had the time to insert a character who's in the auction who's just some Russian guy who apparently they really are like really want him to pay for something like a yeah, big yeah. dinosaur. So then when they wheel out the Indo Raptor whatever thing, they, the camera like cuts to him and it's like who who am I? this is like one of the most forgettable faces I've ever seen. Who is this? Well, I don't know. And, d- and he's Russian. Okay, so I don't like him because of movies. I am conditioned to not like Russian people now. Right, and and isn't that in uh, and we do like Russian people. No, we for do. The I'm record. just You're, thinking of Cold War yeah. stuff. But I, I, if if I'm correct, I think they're like, oh, here's this guy, and maybe he's not from Russia. He's definitely from Eastern. I think Europe. they say he's from Russia. I think okay. they say that. And then they're like, they're like, he he's brutal or something. Don't they say something like that? They say it's like, something. Come on. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh man, uh, come on. It's this, this episode's getting off the rails who's listening still (laughs) i think people are probably like this is what i'm here for baby i hope um so we do all of that 
you know, Bryce and Owen are like captured and they use a dinosaur to help them out in a very like Indiana Jones-esque way, which is like, what movie am I watching at this point? Um, and uh, Hammond's, or, or what is his name again? It's not Hammond, but... Uh, I don't know, the, babe, farmer, the guy from Babe. Yeah, <laughs> the farmer from Babe gets murdered and then the, the little daughter finds out that she's a clone. Yeah. Now... We got to talk about the clone in the room, which could be a, a new elephant in the room phrase. And which could be any one of us. <laughs> now, the clone is put in this movie. Now, if they were going to make a point about the clone, say something about cloning, they don't say, they don't make a message The closest like, thing they do to it is he's looking at a picture uh, with, I think the old woman might be in the room. Mm. And they're or, or not even that. I think they're just talking about his mother and mm. how she just looks exactly like his mother. Yeah. Like spit an image exactly. Like they really lay on lay it on thick. Yeah. That's it. No, no, but I know but but the movie itself, by the end, when you know she's a clone, what is the message they're saying about the clone? And well, the only thing that they're claiming is that that's the whole reason Hammond and him split up is because he wanted to study cloning humans. Right. That's it. But they don't they don't say like that is bad, that is good, it means it this, just it doesn't is. it just is. And not every movie has to have an explanation. That is not what I'm arguing, but this is a series that is built upon science fiction where the the whole quandary Our is like should anything. we have made dinosaurs and cloned dinosaurs. So if you add that to humans, I think that's an insanely fascinating idea. An idea that could warrant an entire sequel that has nothing to do with dinosaurs, but is connected to the series and is all about human cloning. It, so do you think the only reason they uh, created this character was so that someone... <laughs> you're already nodding. Yes. So that someone would have... I was going to say this, ...the actually. motivation to press the button. That's exactly why they did it. Which is one of those things that I say a lot. It, you could put it on a t-shirt. It just feels written. It does not feel natural. You could you can make a shirt like you said. Whenever we get enough people that want merch that says, "And so the movie begins," and then on the back it could say, "It just feels so written." That would be my shirt. I'm not sure what yours would be yet. Yours would probably be like, "Check that hair, baby," or something like that. Okay. Because you're always talking about girl hair and guy hair. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, merch not coming soon. <laughs> we got to work on it. Um. So I just think the clone angle, I mean, really could have been a whole sequel, but it's just wasted so that she has the motivation to let the dinosaurs out and say, if they exist, or I exist, and so do they. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, you're kidding me. You are kidding me with that justification for letting dinosaurs go out into the mainland of the United States of America. So I just think that's wild. Now, the Indoraptor escapes, and it is tearing up through the house. The action sequences are decent. I'm a little, like, bored at this point, but I think I don't want to, like, discredit these scenes. I think they're shot pretty well. I think they're pretty effective. But what, what just defies, defies logic, again, is in, at the end when they're, when they're in the... Hello, hello. The dinosaurs are getting out of their cages, and they're attacking all the people, and everyone runs out. So now all of a sudden the dinosaur's like, let me switch it up because I'm chasing a little girl and I think I should be scary to her. So I'm gonna be quiet now. 
It's like, what are you talking about? You were just rampaging. If it got out and was like a scared beast or <laughs> maybe it's playing. I, I don't know. It doesn't make and it even walks up and it's cool imagery doesn't make sense at all for the story where it reaches out its its fingernail and Well, that's for the trailer. Yeah, yeah, it honestly that is. That wasn't the trailer, I think. It was, yeah. And and then they defeat it by Bryce Dallas Howard. They're standing on a roof. Somehow this two-ton dinosaur is not falling down the roof, even though it steps onto glass that it that it also walks on in other parts of the scene and the glass breaks. So they're already telling it's you, like... It's learned. It, it can change its body mass. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then Bryce Dallas Howard pulls up the gun, points it at Chris Pratt, puts the laser on him, and they share a knowing, like, oh, I, I get it. And then, <laughs> and then she hits the auditory signal to let the Indoraptor know, now you can attack the laser point. And he proceeds to, like, flip down the roof so that it misses him and crashes through. That's the most insane plan to communicate with your eyes across the room from someone you went on one date with in, before Jurassic World started and then had a weird um, amount of dating in between these two movies that is the most forced chemistry clearly that maybe I've ever seen wait, on screen. Clearly they're bad at communicating. If Remember the, in the beginning of the movie where he's like, he thought that he had left her and she said no? Yeah. Bad at communicating. Bad at communicating. I was going to say, so earlier on in the movie when they were introducing the raptor thing. The Indoraptor, yeah. Um, So, it, you know, they're kind of like demonstrating it's uh, how great it is. And it's, it's like the la it has shows the laser point thing. And then they say something about acoustic something. Like they just, they did that yeah. thing that Ant-Man does that I hate where they're just making up words. So I, I know that that's a real word, but yeah. they're just, they're making up terms that don't mean anything because when he, they said an acoustic thing, I'm like, I mean, I'm no musician. I'm no like trained ear person, uh -huh. but shouldn't it be like sonar or something or like, well, like at a, or should it be, it shouldn't, be, I feel like it shouldn't be, named an acoustic whatever it is but oh, okay you're the auditory person i'm not yeah i think that they say two words and i think it's like it's acoustic something and that that it just that made sense to me okay i think sonar would mean like well i know, I know sonar sound to to locate something so this is like this is just like an auditory trigger so that I I think that's not maybe I don't agree with you on that one. Okay, fine. Um, and I thought that when I thought about it in the movie while watching, <laughs> I'm like, this is probably just nothing. <laughs> but I've ranted so much. You're like, I want something. Yeah, I guess. Um. So then the movie's basically over. The clone girl has let them all out inexplicably, basically, and um, and then all the dinosaurs are getting out and they they're attacking the bad guys exclusively and then the t-rex from the first movie comes out again and it like i think it kills some one of the dinosaurs or something like that or a person i think it eats it eats the bad guy of the movie and then it does the when dinosaurs roam the earth roar and again kind of like my hunter point earlier in the podcast why did they decide, you know what, of all the things in Jurassic Park, we need to take this literal first dinosaur that people love, the T-Rex, and place it into the both Jurassic World movies and make it recreate the pose from the first movie. What is the purpose of that? You know what was funny, too, is earlier in the movie when they like were first getting to the island, um, I think 
justice asked a question i don't remember exactly what it was but she was like oh i mean we don't really know oh i think he was talking about like how is that t-rex still alive and she was like we don't really know how long they can live because they were created like because they were cloned yeah and i'm like so are you telling me that like the whole purpose for like laura dern and sam neill coming to the island was to study them and you're saying that like anything that they learned from them might not actually be true from what actual dinosaurs that lived like the way she said it was just like was just like we don't we we will actually never really know yeah and and i know that (laughs) that, i I guess you're right that's like one of the most nitpicky things ever but it is kind of like you i'm watching it i'm like wait what (laughs) (laughs) yeah and like the it kind of makes me remember too of in the second movie um one of the things that julianne moore really wanted to study was like you know you'd for some reason for some reason we hypothesize that when a T-Rex is born, the parents abandon it. I guess we just know that because of fossil records. Uh-huh. And they're like now hopefully able to like maybe prove that like T-Rex parents are nurturing. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. that is so, I mean, clearly I'll never be an archeologist clearly <laughs> or a paleontologist, but that makes no <laughs> sense to me. And it is kind of like, I mean, maybe these T-Rexes do take care of this baby T-Rex. I don't know what happened so long ago when they were still alive. <laughs> yeah. And I have reached the point where I just am like, so done with everything. Yeah, me too. I think we have summed up Jurassic Park Fallen Kingdom, uh, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. I think it's a complete disaster of a movie. Yeah. Um, I have nothing more to say about this particular movie. No. I think I've said what I wanted to say about the series as a whole. Sure. Um, do you, Have you? No or yeah okay well one thing we're gonna give you our rankings but before we do that i'm gonna i'm gonna try and sandwich this i want to tell you about www.patreon.com slash micah mccaw now on this website you can pledge maybe three dollars a month or you could pledge four or five or ten depending on the tier and you get an exclusive podcast every month that we don't release this month it's the incredibles brad bird's 2004 the Incredibles, and then because um, over there we're doing the MPU, the sequel, where we're doing movies with only two entries. Because over here we do three entries, so there's that. Then I have, uh, I want to s- tell you about something else. I released this insane video that I worked really, really hard on this week, um, where I took the I, I took the song, the book from Greta Gerwig's Little Women. And I re I, I learned every single instrument on guitar, and my friend Jeremy uh, Oliveira mixed it all together, and I put it into a video on YouTube. Um, I'll probably put a link to it in this episode, and it shows the the clip from the movie, and then it shows all of my guitar parts. It is so cool, and I worked really really hard on it, and I would love it if you would. Uh, give it a listen and share it and all of that stuff. It's very cool. It's very cool. So I wanted to talk about those things. And then uh, I haven't mentioned yet, but I have some art prints for sale. Yes. Uh, I haven't been able to figure out how to put it on my website yet, but I bet they'll be on by the time this episode comes out. Hopefully. Um, But if not, you can contact Micah or myself. However, you find ways to contact us on the interweb email, any of it. How, but that also segues into, I feel like I might have plugged this before, but I don't know. But I plug have... Plug away. What? Plug away, baby. Oh. Uh, Recount Reveal. Dot com. It is a website of mine uh-huh. where uh, twice a month uh, I come out with 
Uh, it, it is about bizarre, spooky, hor- historical events. Yeah. A lot of it's about folklore. Sometimes it's about men in black, not the movie, the actual men in black. Um, sometimes I interview paranormal experts uh, and it's it's free. You just go to recountandreveal.com. Yes. So please do that. Now we're going to tell you our rankings for the Lord of the Rings series because we never did it. At the end of our Lord of the Rings series. Oh. So I'm going to start. And at number six, I have The Hobbit, The Battle of the Five Armies. Number five, I have The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smaug. Number four, I have The Hobbit, The Unexpected Journey. Now, this might surprise you, Jordan. Okay. Number three, I have The Two Towers. Okay. Number two, I have The Fellowship of the Ring. And number one, The Return of the King. Okay, so mine's going to be pretty annoying. Okay. Uh, but I agree with The Hobbit. My ranking is the same. Okay. But I'm three. one of those people where I like Lord of the Rings. Oh, come on. No, come on. I can never decide. Each one I like is better than the last one. So then you would go Fellowship, three, Two Towers, two, and Return of the King, one. I guess if you want to look at it that way, but it did, even if I randomly watch Two Towers, it's like, yeah, that's my favorite one until I watch whatever which one I watch <laughs> next. Okay. All right. They're um, all perfect. <laughs> So then uh, now I want to now before we do our Jurassic Park, this is such an ad loaded episode at the end here. I want to thank Sean Siders, also known as Mogasaurus, for creating the say it again because I cut you off. Oh, Mogasaurus, M-O-O-G-A-S-A-U-R-U-S, I believe Mogasaurus. You can find him on Instagram and there's some fantastic songs he's put out for doing the music for this. Yes. He's a huge Jurassic Park head, and I was like, can you please do something? It'd be really cool. So I'm glad he was able to be a part of it. And then, uh, 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 oh no, I lost my train of thought. There were so many things I was trying to say. Did you want to watch some trailer? Yes, yes. At the end of this episode, after we give our rankings, uh, uh, Dan Eden from the 90 Under 90 podcast that we did Fantastic Mr. Mm -hmm. Fox on, he sent a clip on why he thinks Fallen Kingdom is really good. You're going to put it at the end of the episode? Yeah, I'm going to put it. That sucks for him. What? We just ripped I, this movie no, apart. No, but I said I, said I was going to do that. So No, I know you did. <laughs> I just what, feel bad now. But it's going to be at the very end of this episode, and I think what's kind of fun about it is he... Um, I have not listened to it, so I have no idea what he says. I will listen to it for the first time when I put it in. So... They already convinced me on a few things from Jurassic World that I wasn't a fan of. So who knows? Maybe I'll put it in and be like, what did we record this podcast for? But um, thank you for sending that in, If anything, people who listen to this episode probably just recognized how tired we are. (laughs) I'm not tired. I'm jazzed, baby. Tired of the series? Oh, yeah. Because I'm tired. Okay. Now, why don't you do your Jurassic Park ranking? Uh, okay. So this one to... No, no. You're going from the bottom, bottom to the top? Bottom to the top. This one, the last one, Jurassic, Dur- Jurassic so World. Fallen Kingdom. Fallen Kingdom, Jurassic, Jurassic World. World. This is like Star Wars I can never get. What, <laughs> what's, what's an episode? Um, Fallen Kingdom, Jurassic World, uh, Lost World. Yeah. Three and one. And that's reverse order. That's least to greatest. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to do least to greatest as well. And mine's very easy because it is the order in which they came out. Jurassic Park, uh, Jurassic World Fallen least Kingdom. Least to greatest? Least to greatest. Jurassic Park, Fall, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. 
Uh, oh, I understand what you're saying. <laughs> I just hear you're saying it opposite, yeah. so it sounds wrong. Okay, my favorite is Jurassic Park, followed by Jurassic Park: The Lost World. It's, do you still like that one better than three? Yeah, followed you're by wrong. Jurassic Park three, then Jurassic World, then Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom. I just, I think it's just such a better directed movie, even though San Francisco, uh, San Diego, as far oh, as yeah. I'm concerned, oh. can be cut off. Okay. Um. So that is. The series that finds a way. We did it, folks. Did we announce what our next series is? We did in the previous episode, but we should probably remind them. We're doing Winnie the Pooh. We're doing Winnie the freaking Pooh. Um, and and it's kind of weird because it's not a traditional series. So there will be six movies, and it uh, the next week will be the mini adventures of Winnie the Pooh, which is on Disney Plus. What year did it come out? Nineteen seventy nine. Really? Let me have look I even really quick. seen that? I've never seen it. Uh, it came out on 77 1977 and then that will be followed by the tigger movie um oh i love the tigger movie i believe it is piglet's big movie after that yeah um the heffalump movie okay winnie the pooh and then we'll finish it off with uh christopher robin yes and i by the end of it we'll all be crying yeah, and I, I think it'll be a really nice and fun series. We don't have any guests, so if you're if you're here for the non-guesting, uh, <laughs> no. Uh, but uh, you know, let's get in touch with our with our uh, like, nostalgic ha- side. Like, like let's get a little let's have some fun in this dark dark time we're living in, and get encouraged by a bear that loves some honey. So join us next week. Now, I am forcing Jordan to watch the Jurassic World Dominion trailer that recently dropped. Oh, am I looking it up? And um, No, I'll pull it up for you. And, I can look it up. Okay, and while she does that, I'm just going to explain what she's doing. She is going to live comment on this. So the episode is over, but uh, she's now going to live comment on what she thinks of this trailer as it goes. Oh my gosh, she's crying, everybody. How many times do you have to see the evidence? Too many red lines have been crossed. She she jumped, her eyes bulged. Causing our own extinction. I hate baby stuff. Yeah, when babies are in danger. Yeah. You like babies, right? Yeah, I love babies. (laughs) I feel nothing. But I also just don't care anymore. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody. Hope that was worth listening till the end. (laughs) Uh, We'll see you next week. Bye. Hello. Uh, Now, I know this isn't going to be the most popular opinion, but I think Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom is my second favorite Jurassic Park movie behind the first, of course, because it's the first and uh, you can't really top the first. But the second one, what I like about it is, and we talked about this in our episode, is um, the director J.A. Bayona 
I think that's how you pronounce it, Bayona, Bayona. Uh, he had, what he, what he brought to the table was uh, a little bit of his own influence, a little bit of his own perspective, and he really tried something with at least the second half of Fallen Kingdom. Uh, it is a very schizophrenic movie, and that's, I think, a reason a lot of people don't like it. Uh, I could even it could even justify a fifty percent rating because fifty percent of it is a solid movie, and I think fifty percent of it is not. The first half, where they're on the island, it's like a rescue mission with the volcanoes. It's it's mediocre at best. But I'm talking about the second half, where they end up in the mansion with the dino auction. I thought that was so interesting and rich and claustrophobic and more horror-y than any of the other films, except for that raptor sequence in the kitchen. And that's what I like about these movies. Uh, in fact, I was talking to my girlfriend yesterday about what, what, what are these movies? Are they sci-fi? Are they action? Are they horror? And uh, the first thing I said was sci-fi horror, but I thought to myself, what makes a horror movie a horror movie? What makes an action movie an action movie? And when you look at the scenes, uh, and Micah mentioned this, that build tension like the raptors in the kitchen... That's horror to me because it's that pulse pounding second by second, don't breathe, not the movie, but the scenario uh, situation of it all with the dinosaurs as opposed to just running in a giant field with a big herd of dinosaurs, which to me is more action and bombastic. That's really the difference is bombast versus claustrophobia. And the second half of Fallen Kingdom is a, a bit of a claustrophobic nightmare. And, and, and when going back to what Jay Bayona was saying about his perspective was he had a mission statement with that second half, which was uh, the mansion was a castle. The little girl was the princess and the uh, Indoraptor was the dragon, the fire breathing dragon. So he was going for sort of like a fairy tale uh, entry point for the second half, at least of that movie. And I found that really interesting. And from a horror lover, I thought uh, it was a really interesting move for the franchise. So I know I'm, I'm, that's not the most popular opinion, and I know I'm slurring here because I'm just trying to keep up with my brain here. But uh, the second movie, I think, is really solid, and it's often overlooked. I think you should give it another look. Thank you for indulging me. And uh, back to the show.